right, ladies and gentlemen, we are live back on the Sober Grind podcast. Sober Grind. It is our pleasure to be with you here as always today. Again, my name is Austin Armstrong. I'm joined by my ever so special co-host. Pej. And we have the lovely Andy, Andy. with Hi us guys. today. And today for you, we have a very special guest. His name is Leonard Bouchelle. He is a California certified substance abuse counselor with years of experience working with people struggling with addiction. He attended Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. Mr. Bouchelle is the founder of Writers in Treatment, whose primary purpose is to promote treatment as the best first step solution for addiction, alcoholism, and other self-destructive behaviors. Leonard is the director of a 10-year-old Real Recovery Film Festival and Symposium and the editor slash publisher of the weekly Addiction Recovery e-Bulletin. He also produces the annual Experience, Strength, and Hope Awards in Los Angeles. And he will be celebrating 24 years clean and sober in August. That is amazing. So welcome to Sober Grind, Leonard. Not if you make it, when you make it. <laughs> thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to, to be on your show. Absolutely. So, you. Leonard, why don't we start with, um, tell us a little bit about uh, about your history, expand on this bio, and, and what really brought you to the industry and setting all these ventures up? Well, I think the Japanese have an expression, uh, at its extreme, everything turns to its opposite. So I thought in the overall scheme of things, going from having been a drug dealer for 23 years to becoming a drug counselor, it was a nice balance to a, hopefully a long and productive life. Very uh, well. Yeah, I, and uh, as, you, as you said, I should be having uh, 24 years sober next month. Amazing. Uh, I remember very clearly driving from Studio City to uh, Rancho Mirage to as I was saying, check in to the Betty Ford Center. Although when I got there, I said, is this where I check in? And they said, this isn't where you check in. This isn't a hotel. This is a, you know, this is a hospital. This is where you get admitted. I said, okay, take it easy. Uh, <laughs> but I remember before I drove there, I had two joints. And I told my, my roommate, I said, I got one joint for the ride there and one joint for the ride home. Because <laughs> uh, the idea of driving that far without getting high hadn't had, you know, was, was unfathomable, hmm. unfathomable. And he said, let me hold the second joint, you know, and it'll still be here when, when you get back. Uh, and I don't know what happened to that joint. I'm sure someone made good use of it because it was from Hawaii. Uh, and I remember driving to treatment and uh, getting lost and, and being up anxious because I didn't want to be late because I, I was a people pleaser uh, and I didn't get a chance to go stop for a drink because like I said I, I couldn't find the place uh, you know it's like Frank Sinatra Lane and Dinosaur Road and Bob Hope Highway it was like this little it was like going back in time uh, with all these famous musicians having singers having streets named after them uh, luckily I did find it and uh, I had, uh, you know, those experiences that they talk about after having gotten high uh, literally every day for 26 years, except a couple times when I was in the hospital from drug-related 
uh, incidences when I, I couldn't get high, but they were giving me drugs anyway. Uh, I hadn't gone a day without uh, getting high on something in a long, long time. And I remember after two weeks there just thinking, oh my God, I can go two weeks without getting high. This is a trip. This is a trip. And uh, I decided while I was there to try it for a year, you know, to try not getting high for a year. And of course, one year turns into two years and two years turns into three and time just, you know, moves on. Awesome. So, so obviously, how long did it take into your sobriety when you decided that you wanted to become a drug and alcohol counselor? Uh, it took 10 years. I wanted to make sure it wasn't just a fad. Yeah. The not getting high thing. Mm -hmm. So at 10 years sober, I went back to uh, Los Angeles Community College and did the whole realm of courses and psychology and substance abuse. Got my certification, which is on the wall over there, and uh, went right to work at a place in L.A. called Betashuva. No, I know Betashuva very well. I love I became, that place. I have a lot of respect for Betashuva. I've actually spoke there a few times myself. Yeah, and uh, I became a counselor right away, and they gave me full reign, and I was able to develop you know, my own unique group topics, mm -hmm. which somehow relates to what I do now with the Addiction Recovery e-Bulletin, because I make, because I remember when I went to do my first group, and I said, "Okay, where's the book of, where's the list of group topics?" Mm -hmm. And they laughed. They said, "No," and uh, and so I made up some good ones, mostly based on on Carl Jung's work, right? Mm -hmm. Also, the work that I had done on myself in various, uh, for lack of a better word, consciousness raising exercises, and retreats and workshops. Okay. Uh, so. You know, I did a work, I did one, I remember one group was walking around the block twice with no one talking. And it was amazingly how difficult it was for 15 newly sober addicts. Not saying a word. Not saying a word, <laughs> you know. And then when we got back, I would say, you know, you know, how, you know, they would talk about how uncomfortable they felt, but they would also say that after the first time around the block, they started to observe you know, the houses and the nature and the bushes and the trees. So it just got them to settle down for a little, awesome. for a little while. I love uh, that, yeah. And I think that most rehab should always incorporate music therapy, art therapy, uh, poetry therapy. You know, I think it's not just about getting off drugs, it's learning how to live a, a, deep, a, deep, a deeper life. Mm -hmm. Deeper life, more in touch with your own mind, uh, and your heart, uh, and being, you know, they say, I always said the reason why medical assisted treatment has become so popular is because it doesn't ask you to become a better person like AA does or, or NA does. You know, when you do medical assisted treatment, they're not giving you the St. Francis prayer as, as their favorite prayer or the Lord's prayer. Or even the serenity prayer. Right. Uh, a person, I think, you know, as they say, substance abuse is just a symptom mm -hmm. of underlying problems. And I think maybe nowadays, it's a lack of compassion and joy, and and uh, euphoria, or ecstasy in America. 
I don't see people getting high naturally uh, as much as they did years ago. But I'm not here to certainly, you know, uh, take apart or dissect the epidemic of opium overdoses. I don't know why, you know, the youngins, people say there's, everyone has a little bit of a death wish. You know, otherwise life would be so painful to think, you know, to not in some little way look forward to it. You know, like rest at the end of a good life. Mm. Because everyone has a little bit of a death wish. I just don't know why so many young people's is so much more pronounced now that for an hour's worth of euphoria, they'll risk their lives. Right. And it's very disorienting and sad and, and upsetting. And then I, I got very lucky. My son, when he was 19, uh, came home one day and said, Dad, I want to go into treatment. Mm. You know, try not to react in any way. And uh, he went for a month and 15 years later, he's getting his 15-year chip. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, it's hard work, it's miracles, it's uh, family support, it's society support. But I don't think that's the answer to the question that you asked me, which of course by now I have forgotten completely. <laughs> it was more about uh, drug and alcohol counseling. So what? tell us about the e-bulletin. What's that all about? The e-bulletin was founded by myself. I'm the editor-publisher five years ago. What we do is we, we, we use third-party sources for newsworthy. It's not essays, it's not opinion pieces, unless the opinion is from a New York Times you know, columnist. Uh, we put together 24 to 30 original stories every week, send it to 22,000 people in recovery, celebrities, treatment professionals, uh, with direct links to the source of the story, whether it's on the BBC or CNN or the New York Times or obviously the Orange County Register has been covering the treatment industry really wonderfully for the last uh, five years. Uh, so we just send it out every Tuesday and people are constantly uh, appreciating it as their only source of news to tell them about celebrity, you know, sober celebrities, uh, law enforcement changes, policy changes, science changes, Anytime uh, treatment centers get into news with good stories or somewhat scandalous stories, you know, we, uh, we just, we're like the town crier, mm. for better or worse. And then you can easily sign up for it. We have a website. It changes completely every week. It's the addictionrecoveryebulletin.org. Okay. 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 Wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to pivot and ask you about the Real Recovery Film Fest, but first I want to talk to our audience. Remember, this is an open communication platform, and this is for you. So if you're watching this live, watching this afterwards, or listening to this, please feel free to leave any thoughts, questions, comments, or send us an email at either Austin or Pej at beginningstreatment.com, and we would love to answer those questions for you. So, Leonard, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Real Recovery Film Festival. You've crossed the decade mark there now. Yeah. Tell us how you, how, how did you come up with the idea for that? And, and tell us a little more about what it's about and, and some of the fun stories that you've seen over the years. I hope you can appreciate that. When I had a couple years sober, I went alone 
to see the movie Leaving Las Vegas. Oh, oh, oh. Las Vegas is a true story. Yes. With a brutal ending. And it and I was so triggered by the film. Right. Even though, you know, to dire consequences, I had to go to an Alano Center in San Rafael, California and just sit there and wait till the next meeting. Um, so I thought there's a lot of so that was that experience and then when I moved to Los Angeles uh, and started Writers in Treatment, uh, which helps people get into treatment either by finding them scholarships or referrals uh, or suggestions or ideas and, and advice, uh, I thought I want to get the word out about the organization Writers in Treatment. And I thought I looked around. Luckily, the internet was still, you know, uh, there, uh, and found out that there wasn't anybody doing anything with films about addiction and alcoholism. And I know people are fascinated by old films like Days of Wine and Roses. Yes. The Lost Weekend, mm -hmm. or the classic Less Than Zero with one of Robert Downey Jr.'s breakout roles. And I thought, I want people to see these, but I don't want them to see them alone. So why don't I start a film festival where we can show them mm -hmm. on the big screen, mm -hmm. not on a computer, not on the yeah. TV, big screen, and then always have a conversation afterwards. Either have the filmmaker there or a clinician to do what I call a mini process group with the audience or a talk back. I remember the very first film we showed was uh, Permanent Midnight, uh, written by uh, Jerry Stahl, who was a TV writer who got, you know, crossed that line and wrote a great book about it called Permanent Midnight and he got Ben Stiller to play him in the movie and our very first screening was was that film, and both Ben and Jerry Stahl came and talked for about a half hour after the after the film, and it was really you know made that experience more richer. So luckily we're in LA, so we have access to a lot of the filmmakers mm -hmm. who, who who submit films. In the last ten years, we've shown over 285. Oh, that's amazing! Shorts, documentaries, wow. features. Uh, we get submissions. We had an animated short from Iran two years ago. We get films from Ireland and Australia, and all of course, uh, of course, the states. Uh, and like I said, we never just show a film and say good night or good afternoon. We always have a clinician or a filmmaker engage the audience. Right. Yeah, and this will be our tenth year in uh, West Los Angeles at the Royal Theater. Uh, at the end of October. I was at the I last one. I was at the last one. I was highly impressed. I really enjoyed it. I, I love what you're doing. Yeah, and we we we, we print uh, programs uh, with all the films and all the times and all the information. Uh, usually goes up on our Real Recovery Film Festival website a couple of weeks before the uh, the event starts. Okay. And we get a lot of groups coming. No one has ever turned away for lack of payment. It's only $10 for a screening or $25 for a whole day. We start at 1 p.m. and our last film usually screens around 8 o'clock. Um, and it's a nice social event, but it's also, you know, we say we only show films that show honest depictions. Uh, we don't like things that exaggerate or minimize what drugs and alcohol and other uh, behavior, other life-threatening behaviors can do for you. Mm -hmm. so our main criteria for accepting a film is that it's an honest representation, uh, that it's 
also entertaining. It's not like an after-school documentary. Um, sometimes they're inspirational, but they're always fun to talk about afterwards because people see themselves on the film and say, oh, I wasn't that bad, or oh, I'm so glad I didn't go there. Uh, so it you know, engages people on a very personal, emotional level. Okay. I have a question. Yes, Andy, yeah. it's nice to hear you. Um, have you ever been in a recovery documentary yourself? Because actually I think Beginnings is planning on, or uh, a documentary is in the works right now through our treatment center, and so that's going to be a first for us, but we're super excited about it. And I was just wondering, since you do put that on, is that something you've ever participated in yourself? Well, it could be the beginnings. Oh, it could be. It could be, yeah, I want the same for myself. I want a feature in it too. <laughs> uh, no. To answer the question, no. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. Well, so it's gonna. It's so soon there's to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's light bulbs going up above our heads. <laughs> I want to address a couple. We had a couple comments that just came in. If you can pull those up. Uh, Phil says, what's up, Pej? Hi, Phil. <laughs> Phil Shat, I know you too well. It says, <laughs> we need to be supporting medically assisted treatment uh, within treatment centers. To go back, yeah, back to your uh, point that you brought up, Leonard. Absolutely. Yeah, so it seems uh, we're running a little low on time here. Um, Pej, did you have any final questions for our guest today? No, I think uh, I'm happy that we're, we finally got you on the show. I'm sorry that... It didn't happen a couple of weeks ago when we were saying that it was going to happen, but I want to communicate more with you outside of here. We've got sure. a lot of things that we're working on, and we'd like to collaborate with you, and we respect what you're doing. I respect what you're doing. Um, you've taken it to another level. You, I know a lot of people get sober and they become a drug and alcohol counselor, but you're doing more than that, and I, I, I really, I'm observing you from afar, but I, I know you're doing good work, and I will, you'll be seeing a lot more of me and us in the future. Thank you for coming on our show today. Thank you. Can I just say one last thing before we go? Sure, oh, absolutely. I'd like to invite all your uh, all your viewers and listeners uh, to please consider attending our 10th annual Experience, Strength, and Hope Awards. It's on February 28th at the Skirball Cultural Center in Los Angeles. Uh, it's an event we do where we honor a high-profile celebrity who's written a memoir about their career and their recovery. So we've honored John Taylor from Duran Duran. We've yes. had Lou Gossett Jr., Buzz Aldrin. Awesome. Mackenzie Phillips, great uh, Good old man. Television, television personality, Pat O'Brien. This year it'll be uh, Craig Ferguson. Awesome. A very funny and talented and sober yeah. Ferguson. So that's going to be on Late night host. Uh, February 28th. If anybody wants more information, you know we have a website, right? I do. We'll be there. Yeah. More we'll info. be there. You heard him, ladies and gentlemen. Attend that award. I know we'll all be there, or hopefully be there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we will. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us on another episode of Sober Grind. Make sure you subscribe and listen on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are there. Join our as you are a great dispenser of good news. <laughs> Until next time, friends. Sober grind out. Sober grind.